0: Are you looking to take your media strategy to the next level and make impact with millions of customers? Walmart Connect harnesses the massive reach of America's number one retailer. They can help you connect more meaningfully with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers to find the right audience for your message. They use Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to help you precisely target even niche audiences at scale. Visit walmartconnect.com today to see how they can help you find the customers you want at the scale you need.
1: Hey, I'm sure by now you're aware of programmatic ad tech, but what is it exactly? Programmatic advertising, in some ways, is really anytime you're using software and data to make your media buying decisions. We see it in display ads, and CTV, programmatic digital out of home, and of course, audio. And new ad technologies are coming out every day. Actually, what you're hearing right now is a type of programmatic ad, or at least a hybrid. It's not programmatic in the sense that a piece of software is buying this ad right now in a real-time bidding auction, but it is programmatic in the sense that it was bought through a buying platform that matched the advertiser to this podcast. And who is the advertiser? Grape Media. When it comes to the world of programmatic, They're one of the companies that knows the most about the latest advances in all programmatic. Their whole mission is programmatic that lets you play with the giants. They open the door and walk you through the entire programmatic landscape. They're the closest thing possible to an in-house programmatic team without the expense and trouble of an actual in-house team. They're completely tech agnostic, which means they sit on all ad technologies, including emerging ones, like the platform they use to serve this host red ad. If you're curious to take your programmatic further, reach out to them at grapeseedmedia.com. And thank you, Grapeseed Media, for being a sponsor of this podcast.
0: Hey listeners, Luz and Shannon are taking off today from Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, and we have something great in store for you. Do you know Antonio Lucio, former CMO of Facebook and titan of the marketing industry? He hosts a show right here on the Adweek Podcast Network called Homework, And it's centered around work-life balance in the marketing industry. Today, we want to show you episode one of the series where Antonio sits down with Carla and Tariq Hassan. Carla is the CMO of JPMorgan Chase and Tariq is CMO and Head of Customer Digital Experience at McDonald's. In this episode, they discuss what they learned while raising a family during the pandemic and why they don't really consider themselves as a power couple. It's a terrific conversation. Make sure to check out this episode and the rest of season one of Homework with Antonio Lucio at adweek.com slash podcasts, or by searching for Adweek wherever you find podcasts.
2: Hello and welcome to Homework, the first marketing podcast that it's not about marketing. In Homework, we're going to be exploring the good, the bad, the ugly, and the extraordinary of the task of integrating our work life with our real life. We're gonna be sharing best practices and some mistakes by some of our biggest leaders in the industry. Today, we have Tarek and Carla Hassan. I've known them both for over 20 years. Each one of them has a very big job. Carla is currently the chief marketing officer of Chase, and Tarek is the chief marketing officer of McDonald's in the US. They have a beautiful teenage daughter, Noor, and today we're gonna to talk about how do they integrate work and life. Well, hello everyone. I'm super happy today because I have my very good friends, Carla and Tarek Hassan. I know I have known this too for over 20 years. Carla was starting her marketing career at PepsiCo and Tarek was probably one of the best planners I ever had working in, in my account when I was also starting my international career. They've been a couple now for several years and I cannot wait to have uh, this conversation with them. So welcome, Carla and Tarek.
3: Hi, how Hi. are you?
2: Great to see you, Antonio. Great to see you guys. So why, why don't we start at the very beginning? How, how did you guys meet? <laughs>
3: Well, why don't you tell the story? No, you go ahead. Well, okay, well, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, like, give me a (laughs) a sign. So uh, we were both living in Chicago, and I had uh, been working for Kellogg's, but when I was living in Michigan, I knew this, this guy, Scott, who was a good friend of mine while I was working there, and he had left Kellogg's and went to work on Gatorade. And we had stayed in touch, you know, here and there. And out of the blue one day, he said to me, hey, there's just this, this nice Lebanese guy. And uh, I don't know if you're into Lebanese guys, but you know, he's he lives here in Chicago. And you know, maybe you can meet him. And, uh, and so uh, that my side of the story is that's how it went. and so Tariq got a hold of me and we uh, had my first and ever last blind date actually. Uh, and then as they say the rest is history. But it was through our friend Scott from Michigan who introduced us. Do you have anything else to add?
4: No I had uh, <laughs> Scott was a, Scott had become a client when I was leading a strategy for Gatorade and I walked into some focus groups one day and he and the head of the account team, apparently had been conniving behind my back and decided it was time for me to, to date. And so they said, hey, we know this really great Lebanese woman. We're going to introduce you. They gave me less choice than they gave Carla.
2: <laughs> so, Carla, what, 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 what attracted you from Derek?
3: You know, I feel like he's, well, you know, anyone who knows Tariq knows how charming he is. So he he was super charming, even from his emails that he sent. So that was one. And then when I met him, uh, I will say the first thing I noticed was his smile. Actually, he just was. He, That's just, not
4: true. The first thing true. you noticed was how short I was.
3: <laughs> Why are you outing yourself? <laughs> True, my brothers are very tall, and, and and Tarek is not as tall as my brothers, so I did notice that. But your smile was really nice; it was like super genuine. So he's very charismatic, and and as you know, and he draws you into any kind of conversation, and, and his smile, yeah, both those things. What about
2: um, what about you, uh, Tarek? What attracted you from Carla?
4: Well, again, you know, we're going to sound like we're repeating each other, but you know, Carla is a great blend of of intelligence and personal energy great smile great laugh able to move back and forth between you know different subjects from the nonsense to the you know really important and uh i think uh our first time out was proof of that it was a it was a very long blind date considering i wasn't even sure i wanted to go that was a pretty good night
2: that's uh, great so how long have you guys been together now quite a while huh
3: yeah, quite a while. 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. Year. 20 years. We met and that was, it was uh, April 6, 2002 wow. when we met. That was that was our first date. Yeah. So it's been it's been 20 years. And then we've been married for 18 of those 20. Amazing. Um, amazing. Yeah.
2: And uh, you guys have had kind um, of um, both of you individually amazing amazing careers, you have some, some of the biggest jobs in, uh, in the US today, Carla, you're the Chief Marketing Officer of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and, and Tarek, you're the, the Chief Marketing Officer of McDonald's USA, the, the biggest division of, uh, of, uh, of the company. You would be described by many people as a power couple, but I understand that you guys hate that term. Can you, can, can you share with us what,
4: what, what, what that means? Yeah, I don't know if I'd say I hate it, I think, as much as we reject it. Um, but I think there is a place where it's appropriate. And I think we reject it because Power Couple insinuates that the work we do, we do together. And while there were, past, you know, p- points in the past where I was agency and she was client, um, we think it kind of diminishes who we are as individuals and, and the work that we do as individuals. And the, the reality is that the success that Carla has had has zero to do with the fact that I also happen to be a CMO, um, and so I think we reject it because I also think we find, personally, I find it's hard enough to maintain your eye, you know, as a couple and as a professional, your individualism and your identity, that to sort of lump it together, I think kind of diminishes, frankly, her accomplishments or or the things that we've achieved individually.
3: Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, I, I totally agree. I, I would, I would have one caveat to that, Antonio, which would be that I think recently we've realized that you know what, together we are what people outside of us consider a power couple, and so while we reject it because we want to maintain, to Tarek's point, like our our eyes, we also recognize that together we we could have and should have some impact and we're still trying to figure out what that is right together. It's, so it's a little bit it's a you know it's a it's a it's a battle all the time because Tarek's 100% right we've rejected it for so long but there is something about that and we've got to ask ourselves what responsibility do we have as two people who are by any stretch of any imagination would say our powerful roles and so we want to use that for good together and and then I think the couple thing feels stronger.
2: Yeah, super, 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 super thoughtful. It's interesting, the two of you got really big jobs kind of at the same time in the middle of uh, of the pandemic and you have a wonderful teenage daughter. How do you make it all work? Pandemic, new jobs, parents, New York City. How does it work?
3: Yeah, look, i um some days it doesn't work. <laughs> so we'll start there because and it does work for the most part. But some days it doesn't work. I feel like so many people see on any of our social media handles or when we sit in a party and we're, you know, talking to friends, they they see the, you know, the, the good part, the fun part, the stuff that does work, which I'll talk about in a second because it does require a level of discipline. But I, there, a lot of times it doesn't work. Uh, a lot of times it's messy. A lot of times will someone will drop the ball and someone else will get mad at someone else. And I thought you paid that bill or I thought you did this or, oh my gosh, who's taking the kid to blah, 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 you know? And so a lot of times it doesn't work. But I would tell you the way that it, when it works, which is most of the time, we are extremely disciplined. So we have a Team Hassan calendar. It is very clear who is where, when they are there, you know, what they are doing. Doing, who's going to be with Nor? We divide and conquer a lot. There's no ego about, you know, whose job is more important. We flex, you know, there are some times when he just has something that is so critical for his job, that I make the decision, I'm going to stay home, for example. And vice versa. He'll know that there's a trip that's coming that is really, really important for me. And we need Noor to, you know, have coverage. And so he'll be here. And so I would say a lot of discipline. And the other thing I would say is it takes an army. It's a, we have support all around us. And not just, you know, support from, you know, people who have uh, who have worked for us and been in our lives for a long time, but, but friends who have become family, who, you know, sometimes we lean on and say, can you keep Noor for us for a day? Or can you watch out for her? You know, because we've given, you know, she has your number, she's going to call you because we're not here. So it's a tremendous amount of discipline, wouldn't you say?
4: Yeah, I'd also just say it's muscle memory. We've been doing it for a long time. You know, you talk about the scale of our roles, but the reality is both of our roles, even as we were starting careers, had international components to it, had travel components to it. Um, You know, parts of the members of our family, grandparents were a little bit younger back then, so it was also easy to have them lean in. And I also think that Rather than viewing it as a negative, I don't think we've ever viewed it as anything but a positive for Noor's independence and development, by having her around other influences of people, whether that's you know phenomenal members of our family, nannies who became members of our family, or grandparents where she spent inordinate amount of times with family, and I, I think um, we didn't spend a lot of time overthinking parent guilt. It's not to suggest there aren't moments where we you know where we're disappointed we can't be at something. But I don't think that we viewed it as something we dwell on. I think we pivoted the opposite and created those as an understanding for Nor to understand what we do and identify, I think someone I can't remember who told us this once, but it's not how many things you go to, but it's the things you pick and you make sure you go to and the sort of the way you impress it on on your on your kid, the importance of things. And and then I would just tell you FaceTime is a blessing. <laughs> it's good, right when you can't be there. So while Zoom, I'm over Zoom when it comes to business. When I was doing, you know, three years of my past life back and forth between San Diego and New York for my Petco role, you know, sometimes quick FaceTime filled the gaps or sometimes FaceTime to watch a volleyball game that's not perfect, but the, it sends the intent. So I think it's yeah. a combination of, by the way, the discipline and that whole calendar thing Carla talking about. Anyone who knows me will tell you, you know, that's Carla's creation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. Um, have near that kind of discipline. It is, it is. And um, I always
3: say to him, Antonio, I'm like, hey, did you put it on the calendar? Is it on the calendar? Because if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. And he's like, can you please jump to the please? Antonio, please, I don't please. even know where the calendar is. <laughs> <laughs> I end up putting it on the calendar. You know, the one thing that Tarek said, though, that strikes me as interesting is, uh, particularly as it relates to the decisions that we've made around what we attend with, and don't attend with Noor, you know our history with Noor. And I would say that, you know, we, we have come to a place where we are unapologetic about when it's important to her, we make the decision, like we, we make her the number one. It's not all the time, but it's because of the trauma that we went through with her. And sadly, sometimes I think you have to go through those things in your life to be able to say, here's what's important. So it, it actually, interestingly enough, outside of our discipline our experience with her has become a mechanism for us to say what is important to attend as parents and that's why the parent guilt kind of goes away because we know what's important to her and it doesn't matter what i'm doing or what he's doing if it is of that much importance to her we will make we will be there and so those kinds of decisions become a little bit easier for us because of what we've gone through with her.
2: A lot of the conversations that we're having about work life balance uh, reflect some of the concepts that you're sharing. And I've, I've known you guys for a long time. You're incredibly outstanding in jobs, and I've seen you in your roles as parents as well how do you make time, me time, Carla, individual time, Mm -hmm. Tarek, individual time, and importantly, couple time?
3: That is a very, very good question. I I will tell you that for anyone that has a partner or a spouse, it is extremely important that that person respects the time you need. I, I, I promise that like I never would be able to have the kind of stability in my mental health that I do if it wasn't for Tariq. Like he knows, he knows the moments that I need my time. And it is from when Noor was a tiny little thing. He would say like on a Sunday, Hey, I'm going to take her for a couple of hours. I'm just going to go walk. I just, or just, why don't you go walk? Like I got her or something like it just, he, he, it, it's it's so important for the for the partner that you have to know when you need that time. I think it's also really important for you to be able to voice that you need that time. And I have no issue saying to Tariq, like, I just need a minute. and I need you to know that it's not about you. It's actually about me. And whether that minute is, you know, sitting in in my room reading a book, whether that minute is walking outside, whether it's, talking to a family member without noor Tariq, like whatever it is I feel like you have to you have to be able to voice that to your partner and your partner has to be willing to accept that it's not about them in that moment it's about you otherwise it's really hard because then you're you know you're you, you never have the time for your for yourself particularly when you have a, a child and a and a dog <laughs> I don't know if you have any other no, I,
4: I would actually argue Antonio that like none of us actually there's a reason they talk about empty nesters, right? No one really gets the kind of time that they need until the space is there. And then and then what do they wish? They wish they had less of it, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think there's a flip side to it too. It's, it's about what do you do in absence of that for yourself, right? This notion of, I've never been a big fan of the notion of work-life balance, not because I, I don't think it's something we should be thoughtful of. I do. But I think it's a bit of a misnomer because even if you remove work, most people's lives still have challenges that they figure out what they have to balance anyways. Um, And so I think it's what do you do during those moments when you're not in balance? What do you do and how do you communicate the challenges around that? Um, Because honestly, there are times when your life may look completely out of imbalance to somebody else and it feels perfectly on spot for you. Right. And so part of that, a, a reference point for yourself, not for others. And you talk about time away. I think it just depends on you know time to yourself. I think it depends on the individual too. For me, when I need to recharge, the last thing I want is time to myself. I want to be around lots of people. I get my energy from people. Carla's the opposite, right? She wants to clear the house and have you know have it to herself. And so I think it's also understanding and decoding. What are those elements of being able to self-preserve and, and recharge for yourself and, and understand that those can look different?
3: Well, and under and, and it's your partner understanding what those are for you, right? So, you know, Antonio, you talk a lot about empathy, right? And empathy is not just being nice, it's about knowing, you know, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and knowing what they need and then giving them the space for that. And I think and that's I think Tarek, what you're talking about is like he knows. That on a Friday night, I need I get my energy from, you know, sitting on the couch, curling up by myself. I know that on a Friday night he wants to go out. <laughs> and so we've got to figure out that flex. It's very, very different for each of us. And we we and it's a compromise because if it's good for one person all the time, it that by default that means it's not good for the other person, right? And and when you are in a relationship, it is a give and take. And so there is a, you know, it's just knowing who you're with know, and knowing what they, what they need and being able to, you know, give them that while not losing uh, yourself, frankly.
0: Ready to unlock the full potential of your media spend? Whether you're looking to launch a new product, build your brand, or help increase sales this quarter, Walmart Connect helps brands make an impact with precise targeting, powerful analytics, and the reach of America's number one retailer. Walmart connect offers solutions for advertisers of all sizes on and off Walmart's digital properties and in their stores from cost-effective sponsored search and self-serve display ads on Walmart's site and apps to connected TV and off-site media across web and social to in-store activations and live events. Walmart connect can help you deliver the right content to the right Walmart customer at the right step of their shopping journey. And Walmart Connect's closed-loop measurement means they can track the full impact of your campaign on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today to find out how you can start connecting with Walmart's 139 million weekly online and in-store customers. Walmart Connect. More than media. Meaningful connections. And is, is
2: daytime also included in the schedule?
4: (laughs) I mean, if we're, uh, I mean, if we're authentic about it, I think we, I don't know that we live our life around that sort of like, we find social time together, period. It's who we are. I don't know that we, uh, it's not on there any more than sandwich night is on the calendar. Like it's just, if I
3: could, it would be Antonio. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> that just shows you the difference between the two of us. Yeah,
4: in, until <laughs> until she got home and said she didn't feel like going out anymore, Antonio.
2: <laughs> I totally get it and can relate as well. <laughs> yeah. Guys, what did, did you guys learn as a family during the pandemic in terms of things that you want to keep now that uh, we're coming out of it?
3: I have an answer. Go for an
2: answer?
3: it, yeah. I, I learned that we like each other. And, and, you know, to me, that's really important because, you know, being, being with somebody for that long, um, it's very easy for, uh, for routines to take over and for people to just kind of, I'm just going to sound very strange, but for people to just become roommates, you know, like you, you pay bills together, you do errands, you this, you that, you know, it's very easy. Um, and then, you know, and, and Tarek had been, you know, pretty much traveling all the time for three years. And then all of a sudden we were all in the same place again. And you worry, like, what's that going to feel like? And I learned that we 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 actually like each other. We don't just love each other. We like each other. And that I think is really important because that means that I want to spend time with him and frankly, not just him our daughter as well. Like we we have fun together and we have tried to not take that away. It's become harder, really, really hard, but we've really tried hard to maintain a sense of like, it's fun and trying to keep it fun and trying to keep life light together. And so there is, a, as you know, there's a lot of laughter in our house. Um, there's also a lot of debate, but there's a lot of laughter in our house because we actually like each other. And I think that that's, it might sound surprising to some people that I choose to use that word. But I do think that for me, I reflected on like, wow, we we actually, we're we're, we're like a good little family here. It's fun. It's fun to be a part of this family, and I don't want to lose that.
4: I think both of us would acknowledge that we are glad the doors are open again (laughs) and that we can like each other outside of four walls.
1: (laughs) Maybe even better outside of four walls. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah,
4: there are lots of weekends I'm told to go back to Chicago.
3: (laughs)
1: Oh my or uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: oh, that
4: the only one that's happy when I get home is the dog. <laughs>
2: oh, God. that oh, is true. True.
4: who is the only who is also the only other male in the house
2: well, well, I, I, I can relate to that I don't even have a dog Derek uh, <laughs> the, uh, oh, but it's 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 very interesting what what you you're saying we I, I found the the same thing that when you're Face to to be uh, in close quarters with uh, with your significant other and, and your family, uh, you know, if if it works is wonderful. If it doesn't is 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 disaster. And we have all read the numbers. The number of people that have uh, changed jobs, changed cities, and also changed their marital status during uh, the, the the pandemic and post pandemic is is just staggering. So it's it is actually a blessing. When you find that you like, I love the way that you expressed it, uh, Carla, you, that you, that, yeah, we, we all love each other, but we, we we like each other. We actually like to spend time uh-huh. with each other. Um, what do you guys think? And, you know, sorry, go ahead, Andrew, go ahead. You know,
3: just one thing on that, what, what I think was really, really interesting, it also, you know, as it relates to work, it also then, because, because other things become important, Uh, or have become important during that time, it also resets a little bit what is important and not important even as it relates to the industry that we're in, at least for me, right? That moment really kind of, or the two years that we went through really not just, you know, reaffirmed the, you know, the the piece that I just said, but also it kind of made me think differently about even like who, where I want to be and who I want to be even in our, in our industry. So I think there's so many things that came out of the and how I want to behave right in our industry. And so there's so many things that came out of that pandemic that I think we want to keep.
2: So So, let's take that. I mean, you guys are in in position of of significant impact and influence. Um, What are the things that corporations should do in order to ensure that the different families actually are able to live within the work life integration that they individually need what can companies do
4: you know it's interesting <clears throat> this this answer may not be uh, that popular with some people because i think there is a general perception in a lot of pockets of our industry that we made this all work completely virtual why can't we maintain either that complete virtuality or that or significant significant flexibility <clears throat> i do think that industry and companies need a, an accountability to think through how they provide that flexibility to support their employees. And I think we learned a lot of those pieces. Um, And I think we learned that because we're allowing our employees to live a more authentic life by doing that. We're allowing ourselves to live a more authentic life by doing that. Um, Having said that, though, I think it's incumbent upon us as leaders and as as partners inside of a company to ensure that we also maintain the authentic identity of a company. And so a company that started virtual... (laughs) pre-pandemic and remain virtual, that was part of their identity. A company that was not was completely physically present. This was a massive swing of a cultural identity for a company. And while I think companies need to evolve their culture and think them through, I think we as partners also need to understand what that needs to look like and how we participate in it. So, you know, personally, I'm not a fan of the suggestion of of it worked the way we were. So let's just keeping it going. I think we all have to step back, look at the company, what made the company successful, what parts of the culture made the company successful. What are those that we can maintain while also continuing to learn from the benefits we gained, the flexibility uh, that was discovered during COVID. But I do think we're at an inflection point. I'm hearing a lot of companies talk about, okay, we seem to have moved past the major issues. How do you give the right flexibility to those who have physical and health needs? But how do we also think about how to maintain our identity as a company and recapture some of those elements that were working for us prior? And, and I think we're at a really interesting point for that. And so what, I, what I've what i asked my teams to think about is not only what the company does for us, but also think about how do we play a role in maintaining those elements of the company identity? And it's, I, I don't think it's something we talk quite enough about in the role that we play in our shared support in the culture of that identity of the company
3: you know it's interesting for me i think there's some things about that of what you just said that i definitely agree with and there's places where i diverge i mean i i think that i agree that we are humans and human nature is to be around other humans so you know in in general and so i have i have found that when my teams do come in they actually love interacting with others, and they remember the culture of the company, and they remember like what they love about it. And it just gives them energy. And so that that part I agree with, because you're right, I think it's much easier for you to, you know, not be connected to a company culture, if all you if the only thing you have is, you know, little little boxes on a screen. Having said that, I do think that Companies really need to and a lot are starting to think much more about flexibility for people. I don't think, you know, again, five days a week off or whatever, if if before the pandemic, it wasn't five days a week at home or whatever. Um, But I do think that particularly, you know, single parents who struggle, people who have like massive commutes, like all of those things, if, you know, if we can provide flexibility to people to conti- to be able to continue to do their job, but to do it in a way where they don't have to come in five days a week. And I know that's not what you're saying, but to don't to not have to relieve the pressure of them to have to come in every single day and to give them a little bit more flexibility. I think that is 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 probably, you know, the future but I, I, where I do agree with you is I think if the, and we have this debate all the time, if the job before the pandemic was five days a week in the office and now it's three days a week in the office that should be perceived as a good thing and as flexible versus not and and I just think we're 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 in that time you're right that it we're in that time we're in a we're in a moment in time but I do think that flexibility helps those that the those that need it the most and and I, I I feel like we need to also as leaders be you know open to those exceptions so that people can have jobs and people can continue to work.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're saying much of the same thing. And Tony, what I'm, what I'm actually poking at is lost in the number of days in the week is the role that we all play in in the cultures that we participate in. And that culture impacts us as individuals. And my, my point is how do we as partners in those organizations reinvest in the cultural identity of the company that we were part of before the pandemic. We asked the companies to do a lot to reinvest in our identities, in our lives, in our our work life. I'm simply suggesting that if we all step back and objectively think about what is that culture of the company that was successful before, what are the elements that we love about it, that it might require us as individuals to reinvest in that culture and identity because it's, it's, a, it's only possible through the collection of the, of the partners. It can't fix itself as a company. We're the, we're the members of that company that do that.
2: I, I think uh, Mark Andreessen just, uh, I think this week, made some very interesting observations saying that uh, this shift, this hybrid, whatever we want to call it, um, it will be more significant in terms of societal impact in the way that we yeah. live, and in the way that this that the the populations are going to be distributed, bigger than the than the internet. And he was saying that a hundred years from now, we will look at this time as one of those tectonic shifts that actually changed the way in which we were approaching life. Uh, the, the The interesting thing is, no one has all the answers. Everyone is experimenting, and we will collectively, hopefully, get smarter about this so that we can uh, we can continue to do everything that we need to do, live meaningful lives, and Meaningful and productive lives, if you will.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um. Uh, my 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 last question uh, that I ask everybody is if we could go back to um, the dreams of your younger self in your early twenties as to what life was going to be life like relative to the life that you have been able to live until now. Where 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 are you?
1: <laughs> go ahead.
4: No, you can go ahead.
3: I. Uh, Someone asked me the other day what the title of my autobiography would be. and I was like, well, I'm not done yet, so I don't know what that would be. but if you told me right now to you know give you a title, <clears throat> it would be something to the effect of an unlikely success story or something like that. Um, because I grew up in a, by all intents and purposes in a privileged life overseas but then we moved to the US and and life was very different my parents believed in education but they didn't know anybody in the US they didn't know anyone that they could introduce me to that they could network me to i ended up in Battle Creek Michigan i lived in Kalamazoo Michigan i didn't even know how to how to say how to pronounce it when i first you know moved there and then i moved around and And then here I am, like I'm this, you know, this, this kid from, from Lebanon who grew up in Dubai and moved to the U S and, and now I'm the CMO of JP Morgan Chase. And I have a beautiful 15 year old daughter and an incredibly supportive husband. And I just never imagined that I would be here. And so for me, I thought I would, you know, go to school, I would go back to the Middle East, I would live a life like everyone else I know there. I just never thought that I'd be here. And so I'm incredibly proud of that. It has been many, many twists and turns, as you know, Antonio, you know, again, we we, we end up here in these, you know, beautiful, glorious, to the rest of the world places, but it is not without its... Very, very, very high ups and very, very, very low downs, and those moments are extremely uh, lonely. By the way, both of those—the ups and the downs—you learn who your friends are. You learn who you know who really cares deeply about you. But I would say, unlikely unlikely if you know if you if you know where I went to where I went to university versus where all my where everyone around me went to university just everything about it I I just I did not at all envision that I would be here right now and so I'm very grateful and I'm very um very humbled to 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 be where I am today
4: I guess I paused on it Antonio because I've never been really one to look over my shoulder of course I've learned from things and and bring those things forward but even when it comes to New Year's, I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, reflection at that point in time. I think that we should learn point in time as we go. And so I guess, if anything, I'd look back and, and, and you know, if I'll stick with Carla's autobiography title, I guess I'd probably call it The Mistakes I Made and The, more, the Ones I Wish I Had Made. <laughs> um, because, I think that, because I think that's, you know, I think I might talk to my team a lot about the fact that, you know, you never achieve greatness with fear of failure. And I'm somebody who has always approached things, uh, in a way where, uh, chase the stretch opportunity, pursue elements in your life that people are telling you are not possible. I think part of it comes from growing up dyslexic and being told what you can't do and kind of rejecting the notion of that and growing up Brown and growing up Muslim and, and, and the things that come with perceive people's perceptions. But I can honestly say that I don't look over my shoulder and look at a fork in a road and say, wow, I thought I would have been here versus there. I think it's probably because I had my head so high in the clouds that I actually didn't know where there would be, but I knew I wanted it to be something that I enjoyed, that would be big, that would impact my life, could potentially impact a a community. And really, I think the thing that stayed hard for me was, you know, that would fulfill my grandparents' dreams, right? Of immigrants who sought out to create a better life. My parents took their first next step and had a, you know, tremendously successful by all means in terms of their boys have gone on to do even better things. And so I guess I have a pretty simple view of what my life could look like. And I would just tell you it it way exceeds what that view would have been.
2: Well, we share that, and I think we also share the title of our biographies. Whoever is going to write them, because I'm not going to write mine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
2: guys, thank you very much for the time. It's always a pleasure to, he- to hear your story, to get inspired from, not, not from what you do, but actually from the, the amazing people that you both are. I'm very proud of our friendship. More, more than anything, I'm also proud of everything that you guys have been able to accomplish. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart from, for sharing your story with us today.
4: Thank, Thank you, you, my friend.
2: Have a great day.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you very, very much. much Thank you for listening to Homework, part of the Adbeak Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Monica Bernal, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. If you expect your media investment to deliver clear, measurable results, Walmart Connect can help you get there with powerful analytics and the reach of America's number one retailer. Their closed-loop measurement uses Walmart's proprietary customer purchase data to track the impact of your campaigns on sales, not just on Walmart's site and app, but also in-store. For some campaigns, they can even provide rest-of-market data that tracks the impact on sales at other retailers. Visit walmartconnect.com today and see how they can help make your media spend meaningful. Walmart Connect. More than media? meaningful connections.